side of the town Suddenly Welcome to episode number 85 of the Better Yet Podcast. I'm Tim Crisp, your host. Better Yet! It's a long-form interview podcast featuring musicians talking about influence, talking about writing, and talking about being around. Winter time. I'm on that Jason Molina just without consideration at this point. I get into work, and it's early songs, Ohio. I get home. It's the later Magnolia Electric Company. It gets cold out, and there's something for every mood that you feel within that cold. It's good. He's a guy, too, that I I find fascinating just in hearing how he wouldn't rehearse songs with a full band. He'd make lineup changes on a whim and then not make any effort to show people the songs. This song, uh, the one that we played at the beginning, it, it ends the way that it does because he never set down how it was going to end. It's so rare in rock music. It's one thing I like about jazz. When it's done in rock, it's particularly exciting for me. How we doing out there? How about that Royal Rumble? Two top homies, Shinsuke Nakamura and Asuka. Two great Royal Rumble matches. I couldn't believe the way they booked the men's match. Watched that with the homies, and we were losing our minds. Best Royal Rumble in 10 years easily. Last time they did in Philadelphia, I was there. We booed everything. Thought they might do Roman again, but so happy. They went with Shinsuke. So happy that I can see the Tokyo Dome rematch when I go to WrestleMania in New Orleans in April. So excited, my friends. So excited for this week's episode of the podcast. Steph Chura is on the show this week. My first interview of 2018 starting hot. Been a second since I plugged it at the top, but we do have merchandise in stock. Pocket tee and buttons are available on the website. Betteryetpod.com slash merch. Shirts are $15 with shipping. Combo pack with the shirt, buttons, and a mix. All for $18. Also, I'm doing a weekly Spotify playlist. Started a few weeks ago. We're on number three right now. I do a new one every Thursday. Subscribe to that. I've been having fun making those. Playlist number three, I use Sonic Youth's Washing Machine as a template. Took the first track from that record and then put a track list together that follows the arc of Washing Machine. Got expansive, got weird. Playlist number four, which will be available on Thursday. It's a lot of beats and some jazz. Really just enjoying the chance to play around with music that is outside the norm for what goes into this show. Subscribe to that playlist. I mean, it's free. It doesn't cost anything. There's no hidden fees or upcharges. I mean, why would you want to pay for something that's free? The things they expect you to pay for these days. Like, you wouldn't pay $150 for an oyster. 
you wouldn't pay $3,275 for a bowl of tomato soup, then why would you pay anything at all for a blog about omelets? You shouldn't. Jordansomelets.com is happy to give you the free pictures of omelets you deserve. Join Roswell Kid semi-guitarist Jordan Hutkins for the culinary content anyone can afford. Jordansomelets.com. All right. Steph Chura is on the show this week. Steph is a tremendously talented singer-songwriter from northern Michigan, now residing in Detroit. She released her debut LP, Messes, last January, though the story goes back much further. She released a self-titled EP in 2010. Her sound and her writing has had some serious evolution since that release, but what's firmly established from the onset is a vision and a voice that will penetrate into your brain. Steph's music is a pretty great landscape, but she also lends herself equally to very catchy, sugary alt-rock. And when it's all put together, it's a really complete sound that comes from a long process of stutter steps. A lot of time took place in between the beginning of Steph's recorded output and this first LP, Messes. When it finally came out, it made a huge impression on anyone who heard it including Saddle Creek, who is reissuing the record on Friday, February 2nd, Groundhog Day. Very exciting development and exciting for me to have the chance to talk to her. So let's get to it. We'll start with a song. This is Spotted Gold, followed by my interview with Steph Chura. Where'd you grow up? I grew up. Are we going? Is it live? Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Well, it's not live. Okay. But We're live on the on the internet. We're live on the internet, streaming two weeks after we're talking. Okay. So <laughs> all right. So I don't guess, mess uh, up. The pressure's yeah. on. Okay. Fine. Oh, can I swear? Yeah. Yeah. Because I have no control, swear. like over my cussing. I've gotten pretty good at it. Really? Yeah. I used to be I used to be really bad because like, you know, the F word comes out when you're looking for the word that you're looking for a lot. Yeah. But I've gotten like gotten okay at it, but hmm. feel free. Yeah. You know, maybe I just haven't uh, concentrated on that goal of having a breakthrough with not cussing, but well, it took I, a really long time. I I cannot stop cussing. Yeah. It's just part of my language. I I'm so glad they exist, swear words. Swear words? They're so nice. Yeah, they're wonderful. <laughs> and I guess it's nice, too, to just be like, you know, we're at we're at this juncture in in life and in adulthood where you can kind of say them now, and it's yeah. nice to be able mm. to not have to, like, worry about saying, you know. I mean, you don't say it in front of, like, old people. No, you say it in front of old people. They like it. Hell yeah. They're like, finally, someone's being real with me. <laughs> 
yeah, someone's not. It's not <laughs> these kids aren't lying to me anymore. I, I appreciate the that. only thing that sucks about it is like the times I've had to do like radio stuff. It's like I, yeah, I definitely have. I, they've been like, don't. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to. And then yeah. I'm just like, oh, that's I so don't hard. even realize it. Like everyone else is like, right. And I'm like, just going. Well, I set, I set an intent an intention to not to not swear so much, and I and I had an episode of the podcast where I put a swear jar down, and I said, "All right, I'm putting this thing down oh, here," that's nice. and you know, I'm trying really really hard to put money in it when you swear. Yeah, that's pretty I, had, I had like I had like <laughs> changed so I wouldn't be like rif- rifling through my pockets. We could just do like a smooth and it'd be a nice thing. And then at the end of it, I was like, "Interview was great. We had fun." And then I was like, oh, I didn't even swear. And then I listened back to it. I swore like 20 times. I didn't even realize it. Oh, my God, really? Yeah. Whoa. Mm -hmm. Oh, my Mm -hmm. God. But, you know, you got to start from somewhere. That's my problem is that I, like, put out the swear jar mentally. I'm like, I'm not going to do it. And then it just, there's Uh 40 swear words. Yeah. Um, Okay. What did you ask me where I'm from? Yeah. Where I grew up? Uh Uh-huh. Alpena, Michigan. Where is that? So that's up I'm north, gonna, right? I'm bust out the mitten. You ready for this? Uh huh. Okay, so it's right. I got it's on the lower peninsula, and it's at the very tip. It's like an uh-huh. hour away from the Mackinac oh, Bridge okay. to uh-huh. the UP. Gotcha. So it's like four hours from Detroit. Yeah, I think it's like seven hours from here. Uh huh. If you cut through the state, so you're up, up there. You're up in the woods. Yeah, yeah. It's real red. Real red? What do you mean? Oh, <laughs> yeah. It's tough. Yeah, it's tough. Right? It's up in the woods, though. I grew up in the woods. Yeah. Yeah. Like kind of we outside a lot. Like loose. Uh-huh. No rules, no home, no parents. Yeah. No school. You were you're no a feral clothes. child. <laughs> no, just kidding. I, you were discovered by civilization <laughs> yeah. 3 years they ago. They had to reintroduce me and, and I was wild. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, I um I did I grew up in my parents had like a place like in the in the country kind of. Uh-huh. I was like Yeah. You know, it was not, it was really nice. Were you secluded? It was kind of, well, it was like, it was like seven miles out of town and then it was like down like a road. You had to drive like half a mile down. And Uh then it was just like, then they had like, they technically had like 80 acres of land when I was like a kid, but we, you know, we only occupied like really like, you know, we, there was just like a lot of roaming and when it's like, there was like a river Uh and there's a lot of woods. So just like, well, I was just like playing the woods. Yeah. It was the best. That's the you, best. That's because I, I knew that you were like from that area, and like the moment that I saw it, I was like, I was like, there's like, a, you know, some of these songs have like kind of a deep woods like paranoia. <laughs> Wait, what is para- What does that mean? I guess I think of like that that area as just being like you know, always like like pine and and snow and. You know, you look around and you just have like no sense of of direction or anything like that. Like you ever, you watch The Sopranos? You ever see that? There's an episode of Sopranos where they get lost in the Pine Barrens in New Jersey, and Mm. it gets like it gets a little like claustrophobic the like longer they're lost. And that's that's kind of what I think of when I think of Mm, paranoia. Yeah, my life was kind of like that Sopranos episode. Hell yeah! I haven't seen it. I don't know Uh. what it's like. (laughs) I uh, I. it's you know it's secluded there's not a lot to do i don't know growing up i don't know where to start there's right so, you yeah. just like you're just like outdoors a lot and like, as a child of, and yeah. then, then they invented like myspace when i was like in junior high so yeah then I well, was, that, like, that was nice of them and, too and yeah do that and you can just like sit in the like, yeah <laughs> get i had some like communication with the outside world yeah what i really liked kazaa 
Uh huh. Yeah, because that was great. Because yeah, I would like, chat. right after Napster. Yeah, right yeah. after Napster. Oh no, Soulseek. Uh huh. Soulseek was. I the still one. use Soulseek. Soulseek is pretty sweet. Soulseek I don't is use it still. Very sweet. Um, I've stopped using it, or I've started using it less. But anything you want, it's there. It's incredible. It's like one of those things. It's like it was there from the beginning, and then they took down all of the bigger name ones, and then that one's just still present. It's still got the same interface that it had. In I've like never, I haven't used it since I was a teen. Yeah, it looks exactly the same as it did. That's when dope. You, yeah, and I remember some like I don't know who it was, just like somebody sharing with me like uh, suburban lawns, like uh-huh. when I was like a teen, like sixteen years old, and like Alpina. You know, like you just yeah. wouldn't have access to that kind right, of stuff, right? Right? Like right. otherwise. Uh huh. So did you have like uh was the school that you went to like super small? Was there like a lot of a lot of communities funneled into like one place? Yeah, you know, I don't think it was like extraordinarily small in the high school, but it was like funneling from the entire like city and the county. So yeah. and it, it there was probably like 350, 400 people in my grade. Uh-huh. What'd your folks do? My parents are both chiropractors. Oh yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I've got a long legacy of chiropractic history. You do? Yeah. What okay, oh, yeah. sure. Well, it started when I, like, when I was in high school, like, my back used to hurt all the time, just from, like, sitting, I've always had, like, poor posture, and so I started seeing a chiropractor, and he's like, your hips are messed up, and I'm like, what do you mean my hips are messed up, and then when I was, Your hips don't lie, they're messed up. Yeah. (laughs) When I was, like, 24, I started to get migraines, and- It's connected? Yeah. Yeah. And I went to the chiropractor, and he's like, your hips are messed up, and I'm like, yeah, I also, like, can't- form a sentence right now you think you could you think you could do something <laughs> yeah. about that so yeah that was like you know, three three years of seeing the chiropractor like at least every week uh-huh finally got out of it i love chiropractors yeah you know what i like about chiropractors is that you go see a chiropractor and they love to be self-aware of the fact that like other doctors think that they're full of shit yeah they're quacks yeah and it's not that's that's ridiculous they do great things. Yeah. There used to be a body of medicine that before the pharmaceutical industry took hold, like back in the day, I'm talking like mm-hmm. over a hundred years ago or something, where they, they everything was combined. You went to a school for yeah. medicine and you learned about holistic chiropractic. You learned about chemical medicine, which is farm, pharmaceuticals yeah, yeah, yeah. right now. You learned about all of that in one school. And then at then chemical, like chemical medicine started to make it so you couldn't become a doc like they started to make it so you you had to get their degree with their stuff right. or you couldn't be a practicing doctor like they started to separate it uh-huh. and then that's kind of like where that all that divorce like began yeah for sure i mean even going back to like the 50s with like the family doctor who does house calls and can kind of just like do everything for you i mean we have like pediatricians at this point but it's still like everything is like super separate yeah i go to a chiropractor in detroit Detroit now who's like a kinesiologist also and he just uh-huh. can like tell like when he like he can tell from your skin like what's going on because your skin yeah. is connected to every organ in your body right and you can kind of tell yeah I would get that yeah. too he's like you got bags under your eyes I'm like it's like your yeah kidneys. well you know I was drinking until 3 30 in the morning and now it's nine o'clock and he's like yeah you, sh- you shouldn't do that either <laughs> uh, yeah well I guess better you just drink more water yeah well that that's a life lesson too yeah you have to do that People don't drink water. You know, I was working at a restaurant and everyone started joking. They were like, oh my God, I've totally been hospitalized for dehydration. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, and then everyone's like, me too. And, I, and like, there was like four or five people there who'd been hospitalized for dehydration. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh my God, is this, is this like a normal thing? <laughs> yeah. Well, like, yeah. I mean, the 
there is there's a lot to to unpack too with just like like people that work in restaurants are like especially in cities are like certifiable alcoholics yeah, yeah. it's a wild industry to yeah. like be around i found my i found my way out of it very quickly because i was just like yeah i mean oh, there's yeah. just like they they always would stay to like closing time after their shift and just drink it's a huge yes a huge uh lifestyle thing yeah i can't do that man i can't either yeah i can't live yeah. that life um you got siblings i do have a this tea is really good, by the way. I just kind of burped. Isn't that great? Yeah. Yeah. So um, long. It's really good. Uh, yeah. I have a brother. Uh huh. Yeah. What's he doing? What's his story? He, he is two years younger than me. Uh huh. He has a family. He lives in New Orleans. Yeah. He owns a restaurant. Oh wow. Yeah. Where is it, New Orleans? It's in Mid City. Oh yeah. It's called yeah, Waken yeah. Bacon. Uh huh. Kind of a kind of a stonery name. Yeah. Yeah. Kind sure. Of, is of, it like like Southern breakfast style? It's like grits and like uh, yeah. it's like a cute cafe where they have like thrift store coffee mugs oh, and yeah. stuff sure, and sure, sure. they have like it's like a big portion type of place so they uh-huh. like yeah bacon and eggs and grits he and owns it yeah, oh, yeah 20 yeah. what six seven yeah he's 20 that's crazy seven, 27 got, what, was, was he old. just like born with uh with motivation and knowing what he wants to do yeah that's uh, i think it was maybelline actually <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, was there was there music in the house when you were growing up yeah there's definitely um my dad my dad had a guitar which uh-huh. i eventually got to steal yeah from him uh, like an old gibson acoustic oh, nice. it was really nice and yeah. um he just had tons of records like so i got to listen to like a lot of and my parents had like really good taste in music when i was a kid yeah um and they were into like current things or they were just like were, very very well versed in in it was both the 70s and the 80s like for my mom's taste in the 90s like i always listened to her cds when i was a kid and like uh-huh. i really i like really loved like lisa loeb yeah nine tails yeah for sure uh, that Are album listening to cranberries i did i owed him uh no need to argue is like huge yeah huge huge we covered a song of theirs last night actually oh did you yeah which one oh to my family yeah i don't oh. think anyone knew what the song was yeah it's yeah, a famous yeah. song i thought no there's like i mean there's like five of them that everybody knows. if you busted out linger everybody would go nuts yeah i guess i could have done dreams or some shit yeah but i mean that's a man that's a that's a band huh i was thinking about i was thinking about them a lot this week too especially with like the way that you use your voice mm-hmm. like listening to dolores and like the instrument that 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 woman had was just unbelievable the way that she would sing and like the choices that she would make too yeah her voice is extraordinary so so crazy yeah so sad yeah she's really young really young she was really young when that band was famous she was like 22 or 23 when like zombie was coming out yeah 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 it was like you listen to those records too and like it's it's wild to consider that that was a that was a major pop band too at that time right? i know they're a little we we're talking about their production style is a little like shoegazy for some of those songs like dreams is like oh, yeah. kind of a shoegaze song, zombies right? like in your face shoegaze mm-hmm. um so yeah so you're getting stuff like that from your from your mom and then you know just oh, yeah. records in the house oh uh, yeah my dad had uh he had like elvis costello yeah uh, the best um working week what was the one Oh, uh, my aim is true. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I Welcome huge, huge, yeah, huge, unbelievable. Uh, that one. Um, he had the Clash. Like he had a bunch of Clash records, and he had uh, like he had a Teenage Jesus and the Jerks record. 
Oh, like, yeah. He has some, he has some like, crazy shit where I was just like, I remember playing that record as a kid and I didn't know what speed to put it on. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Is this right? Yeah, I was like, I don't know. And then I was like, the other speed, I was like, wait, no. Yeah, no. Well, that's not right. Uh, but, like... Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, so you're ingesting all of that stuff. Like, did you, when did you think you started to like kind of branch out and want to do it yourself or like pursue your own like interests, like aside from the ones that your parents were into? I was in nine. Well, I learned to play guitar like in junior high, like when I was in seventh or eighth grade. You playing a that Gibson? Bit. Playing that Gibson. And my brother, they gave my brother, they bought my brother like a plastic string guitar because uh-huh. guitars are for boys and he needed Right. Like that. So, but so I, but I just I just played it. Yeah. Um. So I played that sometimes. Uh huh. And uh, were they resistant to you like doing the thing? Or no, not like, my dad showed me how to play oh, guitar. Yeah. He uh-huh. did. I don't know why oh, wow. my brother. I mean, my brother expressed interest in it or something, and I'm not remembering it like that. I'm choosing to see it through some sexist lens. But, uh-huh. um, <laughs> but my brother never played. Uh, yeah. And then I went away to a boarding school in ninth grade for four months, and then I got k- kicked out, and I came back. And then when I came back, I started. Uh-huh. actually writing songs on the guitar okay so why why did you go to the boarding school i went to the boarding school because it was where my dad graduated from high school oh okay and it's really nice it's like a harvard of high schools it's like yeah really 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 nice uh-huh and but i was so like you're a legacy well no not necessarily everyone uh-huh. there like there's like george steinbrenner's like grandkids went there yeah and like he owns the new york yankees yeah. you know they talk about in rap songs yeah. i don't know <laughs> I always remember George Steinbrenner is just like really, really championing the uh, the white turtleneck with a sport coat look. Like he just he just took that took that to the grave. I don't know what he looks like, but I uh, his grandson Zach Steinbrenner was in my grade. Yeah, and we hung out. Oh, is he all right? I don't know. I haven't seen him since I was fourteen. Uh-huh. But I, if you're out there, Zach, sup? Uh-huh. <laughs> so you got but you got kicked out. Yeah, no, I was like very bullied in junior high, and then when I they had uniforms at the school, uh-huh. so when people didn't have to see my crappy clothes, I was like extremely popular. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> it was like a totally clean slate, and then I didn't do any homework. Uh-huh. I had like a point six. Like I really didn't do any homework. I just yeah. was like, why would I do homework? I'm like popular. Uh-huh. Um, oh, is that what it is? You're I, just like, no, yeah. I think I just wasn't focused. Like uh-huh. I really like it. It was a lot. You know, you're like you're like 14 you're like moving away from home and yeah. you're like submerged in like a totally new situation like uh-huh. it's kind of a lot actually yeah and then they just like boggy down with all of this all this shit yeah like emotionally unpacking yourself yeah i just i don't think i was like really prepared uh-huh. and uh that's pretty swift then that yeah they, they were just like what was did you do a semester i did a semester yeah yeah that's crazy that they're not just like you better figure this out by the end of the year or you're done yeah i think the grade the grades were so low like uh-huh. it's, like i really like the grades were so like i really didn't yeah I didn't do uh-huh. and then i i just i got like a lot of little write-ups like all the time like uh-huh. for, i could just become a target for like little write-ups like I, I couldn't like things other people could get away with i couldn't yeah just, like having your sure. shirt untucked you get pegged real your, quick yeah. yeah having your like room dirty like i would just get like, so i had like a hundred of those or something uh-huh. and i was uh, anyway i'm really getting into this yeah i was like constantly in disciplinary confinement like so i never actually had free time outside of going to school i would always just go to school yeah because like you're supposed you were able to wear regular clothes on the weekend and like hang out and like i was never got to do that i had to oh, go to fuck. the dc yeah thing oh, i swear anyway yeah that's it oh see swear jar put a quarter in your swear jar right. air shot <laughs> um so so what happens then you come back and is it like a 
point of contention with your parents or are they just like no that's all right that's oh well they didn't tell me i was getting removed they just came and got me oh your parents came and got you yeah like i spent a fun ride home those it was fucked up okay i swear yeah we're even now one on one yeah no i was you know i was like i think i was 15 by then and yeah they just i was in a disciplinary confinement and they pulled they called my name and this is like this is a big one on the weekends it was in the cafeteria and there's like 200 people there or something right and they call my name uh-huh. and so i have to like go up and when i got out of the building uh there was a car which is super unusual like uh-huh. you usually because in order to drive a car you have to go off the campus yeah, yeah which you just never you don't use cars on the campus at all uh-huh. so there's a car and i was like oh no like i was like something Whoa. bad so then my it was the lady who ran my dorm and, uh-huh. I, and i was like okay and she, I, don't, I don't even remember her saying anything to me and it was like it was a really short drive it was like probably three minute drive she didn't say anything and it was super tense and i was like oh my god and then when i got into the dorm and i went to the office my dad was there and i was like oh Ooh. i was like oh like yeah yeah and they were like pack your bags <laughs> oh like, wow yeah <laughs> uh-huh yeah so then i guess i was like jaded <laughs> and so i came home and wrote a bunch of songs <laughs> yeah that's a, that's a really really good uh backstory for what's getting you getting you fired up yeah and <laughs> <laughs> so were you um were you always doing the the finger picking style is that something that Not you started, started out doing or not yeah uh where does I, that come in i was doing you know i was like just learning when i was in junior high i was just learning like ever clear covers and like a lot of nirvana covers i was yeah. like really obsessed with nirvana uh-huh. and um then some style that i think was a lot of strumming just a lot of strumming and then when i was like in when i was like 16 or 17 when I was like a junior or senior in high school, I like started to do that really heavily. Uh-huh. Um, I, because I wrote a song, I just wrote a song like that like in a simpler way. Yeah. And uh, I think it was like a lot of, I really like Nico's Chelsea Girl and stuff. Oh, fucking phenomenal record. Yeah. These yeah. days. Yeah. That's it's such a good, so like, pretty. haunting record. Yeah. Yeah. So the whole thing is, I really like the, I mean, this isn't finger picking, but the Bob Dylan cover. Yeah. Yeah. I've um I've like been in pursuit of I I I've never stopped listening to Bob Dylan in some form and mm-hmm. like hearing that. Like that's a deep cut and none of his versions come close. And there's some like there's a good Fairport convention version of that song. It's like a like a British folk band from the 60s. Mhm. Not it's but it's not even fucking close to what Nico did with that and that like what's the song called I'll I'll keep it with mine mine, yeah yeah Yeah, that's so good I mean I yeah I don't think he even released his own version until after that like I think he kind of wrote it and gave it to her yeah what the deal was yeah you know the story is and there's there's so much sexism that's attached to to Nico but the you know they at least like mo'd a couple times and then made out yeah like that's hot yeah <laughs> but it's always like and you know so she, he gives her that song um but yeah that that record's incredible the way that that whole thing sounds and that's like that's like a a lot of like weird folksiness to it the whole production of that record that nico record yeah that one is super cool i like the one that she did with the uh, Jim, uh, the guy from the, the doors jim morrison the marble index oh yeah that one I never really attached to as much. It's not. I mean, it's a little more experimental. But yeah. Oh yeah. There's some songs in there that are like really weird. Yeah. It's tough to like. 
Yeah. But I got that Nico record out there. I love listening to it. It's amazing. Yeah. Huge influence that. And I really liked Elliot Smith. Yeah. During the time sure. period. So. He's got the, he's got the finger picking. Yeah. Constantly. Huge, uh, huge. So the, like your, your voice, like when, when you read write ups on, on your music, you're compared to like, really you're compared to like 35 different singers, but like, you know, you look at the, you look at like the common thread and it's just like, these are all women. That's like, that's it. But like, you know, the way yeah. you use your voice as an instrument was that, is that something that just like develops over time that you realize that you have? Cause you have like a range that's like not like an octave range. It's just an ability to like, you know, thin your voice and if it's necessary or like get mm-hmm. like a real huskiness to it or like that Nico quality to mm-hmm. it where it's got like a, like a vibrato like throughout it. Mm-hmm. Is that, does that just come with time or is that something that you realize like pretty early on that you, that you've got like a distinct voice that you can manipulate? I don't know. You know, I, it's kind of hard for me, like we've been recording and it's kind of hard for me to divorce like what my voice actually sounds like from, from uh-huh. like when it's coming out of my mouth. Oh, so when you like go back into the room and you're just like, oh, well, I don't, I can't interpret the genre of like how other people really like can hear my voice. Like right. I, like I hear it and I'm like, that's my voice. Yeah, sure. But then other people will say, will say comments and I'm like, oh, cool. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it, it takes getting perspective. From right. other people to really understand i do i mean i really did like relentlessly listen to like no need to argue uh-huh. and yeah but i i think like you know what what comes from it is that like you know you you take a song like human being where it's like that like that husky quality like i know stevie nicks comes up with your voice and like nico like i think fit into those things but then you listen to a song like spotted gold where it's just like a really really like thin like poppy quality to it and yeah it is interesting because i think that like like i've read a good amount of write-ups on on your stuff and there's like a lot of attachment to like specific genres and you know i think like at this juncture like in your in your recording life it's it's kind of cool because like you see the beginnings of those like early on, like that self-titled EP from mm-hmm. 2010 oh, is shit. like, yeah, I, I, I go for it. Oh shit. Um, what is it about? What is it about that? That you're like, oh shit. It's like, you you're like digging into some time? dusty old books and yeah. like, you're like, that's a dusty recording. That's, a, dust, that's a dusty old book. You're like, yeah. You're like, oh, what about that tape? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, oh my God. I, I just feel like, exponentially like a stronger singer from that time period yeah but you were on a really interesting kick right there you were you were like really onto like some folksy things there and that that finger picking style and i think the way that you like use your voice in there there's like a like a creepiness to it that's that's a very eerie recording yeah i haven't even i haven't thought about it for a long time um you know it's it's old you know a lot of those songs like we're, I'm still like some of those. I don't know if there's a song. Oh yeah, speeding ticket. It was on messes, and then there's another song. Method Man is going to be on the next record. Oh cool. Yeah, I like that song a lot. It sounds it sounds crazy as fuck now. Yeah, I mean, I I I, I think I really enjoy. I really enjoyed going back and speeding ticket is a song that has you know it's on its third iteration now. Yeah, as the last song in your LP. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's wild seeing it on that first EP, and then it's wild seeing it on the the band demo, mm-hmm. where 
like it clearly like it's still structurally what it is but it's it's only in a year's time it's got a whole different vibe to it Mm -hmm. just kind of because of where you're at in comparison to where you were that yeah you know i really worked with fred thomas on that song yeah when we were because we recorded messes with fred and Fred actually is playing drums on that song and, uh-huh. and bass guitar and playing like a lead guitar line. Yeah, is he doing the is he doing the feedback on there? He's doing that feedbacky thing. That's like it, such an orchestral it, he like, literally, layer. He recorded that and he like literally was like put the guitar down and was like <laughs> it was just a really funny moment. He was just like that's he's like He's like, we listen back. He's like, listen to what I did. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it came out really perfect. So that's that, that's like, I guess one of the things that I'm looking at when I'm listening to it is is seeing, you know, the the different lives that that song has had. So when you get to your the time when you're making your first LP, are you like, all right, we've got this studio set up. We've got, you know, Fred's here. Should we do a definitive, like, recording of speeding ticket or is everybody being like you gotta do speeding ticket it has to come on this record because you know you can't like not have it on your debut lp actually uh so i think fred was like doing the studio the b-side of the backseat productions in ann arbor and he was like Uh uh-huh oh we should do something and i was like yeah let's do a couple songs and so actually speeding ticket was one of the one of those two songs. Uh-huh. I think they're just older. I was like, I just want to record these. And then we got in there. I was like, let's make a record. Yeah. I was like, I have 14 songs. Uh-huh. And like, let's actually just record 14 <laughs> songs. We did. We recorded 14 songs. Only yeah. 11 of them went on uh-huh. the record. And is it like, because looking at the track list, it's like about half of them don't have like a previous version recorded that was available to me. Yeah. And then half of them were, were things that you'd written in like mm-hmm. 2014, 2015. Some of them were like, well, Speeding Ticket I wrote when I was 18. So it's like, t- uh, that's yeah. like a 10. That's actually like an 11 year old song. Oh, yeah. So wow. that's the oldest one. Like half the record was older material uh-huh. that I just thought needed. It just had, had to get had like to a proper, yeah, a yeah, proper yeah. recording right. before I could let it go. And then half this other stuff was probably stuff written in like within the last like three years that didn't have like a recording. Yeah. It's interesting, you know, looking at it because it's like for. 99% of people that hear your music, this is their first exposure to you. Mm-hmm. And it's just interesting to look at, you know, you have a song that's been around for 10 years and then you have something that you wrote six months ago. Or mm-hmm. something, you know, the the last thing that you wrote before you started doing the session. And it's not like, it's not like you, you were doing like, you weren't doing like free jazz and now you're doing DB and you're just like, we got to, you know, we got to put all of it together. But like, there is like a difference The like the evolution of your writing is like noticeable and tangible. Yeah. I would ha- definitely have to say like a huge growing shift for me was actually just getting in the studio and working with other people. Like it is really important to work with other people on your yeah. music because I, I see that as like the source of a lot of the growth I've had. Cause I really, in a way, like actually on messes, like I actually don't see a lot of like change in my music from like the demos, uh-huh. and then with the new stuff we're making, it sounds like fucking crazy. Really, it like sounds the difference is just the, it just it's more like filled out and yeah, it's it's different. And the, and I would like does it is the difference like you know in terms of the process of making it is it like 
all right, I want to make a record and you bring in Fred and and you bring in like other people and it's constructed around like the songs that you have. And now that you've been working with people and that's where you're going in to make your second record, like there's probably like just a huge difference in just the way you think about the entirety of the project. Well, with Messes, I was really precious. Like those songs were like just so, I've been playing them for a long time and they were yeah. so near and dear to my heart that like, Fred was kind of wanting to do some arrangements and kind of wanted to like, he like wanted to put synth on everything. And I was like, no, <laughs> but like, and it, but like it would have been cool. Like right. I wasn't open to doing anything like that. Like I was like, no, this is like guitar music. Yeah. yeah and yeah. like, but now we're working with the producer on the second record and, and I'm, I just need to find someone you like trust. And like, I really trust this person. So yeah. like, well, I think that that's like, I think that that's kind of dope that you are, you're now in a position where it's like, all right, the first one was my baby mm-hmm. and and it turned out great and it turned out great with the help of a lot of people and I'm glad that I was able to, you know, but fucking, it's, it's amazing that you got the take that you did on Speeding Ticket, the song that you wrote when you were 18. Yeah. And now you're just like, okay, cool. I've done that. Now I can like resign control and I can put more focus into like what I feel like putting focus into. Yeah, it's nice. Well, it just it was like definitely definitely like a shedding of a skin in a way. Yeah, yeah. Like I like it was like I was so precious and I was like so worried about like what was gonna happen with it and stuff. But now that it's like over, kind of Uh like like as far as just it's been released, it's out. Yeah, people can get it on February second on Saddle Creek. Yeah. reissues it then they can actually get it because it was never actually distributed right um well and it's, i think it's you know it's not like it was an obligation but you are tied to those songs to such an extent that you're just like i gotta protect these because that's just what they are mm-hmm. they've been around for so long mm-hmm. i have to so so going back though going back to you write and you write a song like speeding ticket mm-hmm. when you're in eight when you're 18 were you playing a lot i was playing a little bit with a well kind of i had like a friend in high school and we would play as a two-piece like acoustic guitar like coffee shop style uh-huh. we did that we played the coffee shop surfs cafe in alpina a couple times and okay we played we played our um high school talent show in which uh i just recently saw the video too and my guitar was mic was not on for i, I like oh, really? all these years i was like that was an amazing performance and i uh-huh. saw the video i was like they didn't like there are two mics in this situation how could they have not had one on yeah um so i think there's something to be taken from like the uh just just stick with the the memory of the i know it was funny to see it i was like i look exactly the same (laughs) it's kind of scary um we got second place and first place was a instrumental cover of crazy train well, band. you weren't gonna beat that. We weren't gonna beat that. I know. Yeah. We got, we got like, I think we got like, um, we got like two gift cards to McDonald's. It's pretty dope. That's great. <laughs> That's so great. Um, so you you moved to Ypsilanti after mm-hmm. high school, though. You didn't mm-hmm. you didn't go to college. I went to. Well, I was doing enrolled in college in high school for like a year, uh-huh. and then I at community college in Alpena, and yeah. then I did another semester at ACC where I just habitually drank and didn't go to school and like yeah. I had like friends that I just I got too drunk I got really drunk and so then I moved away uh-huh had to, to get out yeah 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 I was just I had like an incident where I just like was like this is, this is I'm too drunk 
this need, I need to go. Yeah, I'm but just then too it turns out they sell time. alcohol everywhere. So I also got drunk in Ipsy. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah I don't yeah. drink anymore. But how long? To, uh, just in August, I stopped. But then yeah. I had a little bit of champagne on New Year's. That's I, okay. It's not like a AA thing for me, or like a yeah, like a, a totally don't have to. I just I just realized I just don't like it like at yeah. all. Actually, that's good. Like that's good. I don't really care to drink it and. Uh-huh. It doesn't really make me feel better. Like, it doesn't actually make me feel better in social situations. Like, I think that everyone is, like, in agreement. Uh-huh. Doing air quotes. They're in agreement about how alcohol makes you get more social. Yeah. It doesn't uh, work. It's just, yeah, like, a yeah. like a hive mind thing. Yeah, for sure. It actually makes you feel a little good for a little bit and then awful. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, I'm coming up on four years. I'm, I'm relating pretty oh, Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's good, though, that for, you know, you're... you're you're saving yourself uh, from a lot of mental gymnastics and knowing that it's just like, doesn't work for me, that's it. <laughs> well, you know, we went on tour for five weeks and I was like, I was like, you know, I'm not going to drink. Like every time I, like the, we did a tour in July with the drums where I was like drinking a lot and I, uh-huh. I got, was really stressed out and feeling really emotional and I, you know, and I got kind of sick. And so this next, the next one I was like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to do that. I'm yeah. not going to drink. I'm just going to, I just, I just don't want to get sick. I don't want to get stressed out. I don't want to get emotional. And then, yeah, five weeks went by and I was like, oh, I just didn't drink for five weeks, actually. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of easy. I don't really, yeah. yeah, I don't really, like, I'm used to telling people no for the alcohol. Yeah, it's nice. So, so you're an Ipsy. Mm-hmm. And were you playing a lot then? Or was it just kind of like a, like an occasional coffee shop sort of scenario it was like different when i moved down there because i moved down there because my friend only reason i moved down there is because my friend said i could live with him in his apartment for free Uh uh-huh that's the only reason i picked ipsy i wasn't going to school um i moved down there he lived in one of those apartments that is just a room and then everyone shares the kitchen and the bathroom on the floor Uh and i just slept on his futon and we were in the same room Uh uh-huh we did that another time in our lives where we lived dorm style with each other. <laughs> um, uh, I, what's didn't... A, what, I guess what's going, what's going on with you then is, is, is there, uh, is there panic in not knowing what's going on in, in your world or is it just kind of like, uh, like point A to point B to point C and like not. It's kind of exciting. Yeah. You know, I was 19. I just moved. I, I got a thousand dollars in meep money. Do you remember that? Did they do that? How old are you? I'm uh, 31. So they did this program in Michigan. You know, you you wouldn't have got it if you grew up around here. Yeah. So in Michigan, they did this program. They, they ended the year after uh, I got it Uh because I was supposed to get two years of it and I only got one. Yeah. I don't know if it's scholarship based or what it was, but you got like, if you're in school, you got like a thousand or two thousand dollar like grant, but sure. they just mailed me a check. It uh-huh. wasn't, and so I just got a check for a thousand dollars, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna move. So uh-huh. I moved, and I lived off of that for like five minutes, and I got a job at McDonald's. Yeah. Um. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Like I still got this gift card from the talent show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm still trying to cash this in. Uh, what What happened? Oh yeah, then I tried to work at Tower Inn in Ipsy, and that ended really like i worked there for five seconds Uh because i was too anxious for food service at the time yeah and then and then i got a job at the food co-op and that's where i really started actually playing but got introduced to people playing music in Uh ypsilanti um and started playing house shows yeah like so i had written some songs Uh uh-huh i had the song you know the songs i'd written in high school and i was still writing actually and 
um yeah i worked at the ipsy food co-op for three years yeah um, just kind of kicking it and doing the uh there's like a there's like enough of a scene there where you're able to like play often enough and and scratch the itch it was great there was a really good formative experience like i was i met like amber fellows and then that's when i started playing like i just i remember my first house show was like with jim cherwick and do you know, uh-huh. do you know paul cherwick like paul cherry last name paul cherry yeah that's where it. do i know him from he lives in chicago he's a okay. band called paul cherry yeah yeah yeah. all right you should have him on your right. show i should um it's great i need him for the winter jim cherwick's like little cousin okay yeah, yeah um yeah, yeah. so yeah like uh yeah so i played some house shows with jim and then i eventually met like fred thomas was uh-huh. like a, actually like a really big inspiration for me because he he had like a tape label and he just like was this really yeah um prolific songwriter and i really love like his, some of his solo stuff it's like huge and like he wrote night times while i was like an ipsy and that's like a uh it's a great record you know that record yeah it's a great record that's Uh a great record yeah he wrote that like kind of when i met him and i remember being obsessed with that um and then it's wild too to to just see that too you know it's like like the capability of somebody that i know to make a record that has an impact like that Mm mm-hmm yeah no i mean he just was like and he did you know and he does stuff with like noise a lot too so uh-huh. like that's on night times and i just i really loved a lot of that stuff and i i, I started make, making my he helped me with my first tape the one in 2010 and like i would mm-hmm. steal his du- tape duplicator yeah <laughs> like a couple of guys stole uh, it like probably every time i did a tape yeah for sure um and then yeah so I, I guess like what what i'm trying to like get to then is that you're you're doing it you're doing it a little bit <laughs> that has never happened really yeah <laughs> she's like gone and gone up to people but she's never done the whole lap move that's pretty cute the dog's in my lap he's yeah. making the noises you hear that oh <laughs> <laughs> so cute i've been trying to figure out a way to get you on the show more this is good you ready to be talking to the microphone um she really likes say you say something um so i guess like you know at what at what point do do you get to the spot where you're where you're going in and saying like i need to make a record that didn't happen for a while later well actually yeah. i guess it's not like crazy later so because like i did the tape in 2010 and i in 2009 is when i met like fred and amber and i also like met like matt jones and chris bathgate uh-huh. and stuff and uh uh and Pat Elkins, uh, he just like Pat Elkins is just like the DIY man of Ipsy. Okay, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Like originally started totally awesome fest and uh huh. Um, yeah. All these people that are just like you, you can you can do this. It's like it's totally doable and sustainable. And they were just inspirational. Yeah, like they were cool. And there was a much bigger like house show thing there than in Detroit. It's a lot of like dive bars and stuff. Uh huh. And it's a little bit older of a crowd actually. Yeah. And um, at least for what is what I'm experiencing. Uh huh. And uh, no, it wasn't until, you know, in 2012, in 2012, I moved to Detroit uh-huh. and I moved to go to art school. I went to CCS okay. for one semester. Yeah. I love going to school for one You're semester. You're great at the you know, one I, semester. I went to community college for like 10 years or something. No, yeah. I went to community college for like four years uh-huh. in Ann Arbor and uh, and then I went to Eastern for a semester and then I went to CCS for a semester. Yeah. And you got to CCS and you're just like, I'm popular. I don't need to do Yeah. Anything. I was like, I'm so popular. No, I was uh, like, this is expensive and I'm not sure about my major. Or yeah. Yeah. For sure. Moving. It's fucking, it's hard, right? Um, she's probably, she's probably over it by now. Can you get comfortable? 
I'm sorry, my la- I have my legs crossed here. I'm gonna make this better for you. <laughs> make this better. Um, okay. <laughs> Your dog. Oh my god, he wants to be interviewed. Look. Yeah. He's like, interview me. Uh-huh. She. Um, I. Oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. I just met the dog. I'm, I didn't mean. <laughs> I didn't mean it. I'm sorry. I'm an a-hole. Um. <laughs> yeah. Um. What was I saying? Fuck. One semester. Oh yeah, I'm at just, art school in Detroit. School. My my fuck it, fuck it. Yeah, no, my my best friend died during like right after that semester. Wow. So I dropped okay. out of school yeah. when that happened, and it was just it was really like had a huge impact on me. I had a I had to drive his car to Alpena. I had to pick out the clothes they buried him in. Like, oh my it was god. Like, yeah, it was super hardcore. Like, and it was this was just someone. He was like we lived next to each other in Alpena, and like. We uh-huh. were friend- he was like one of my first friends when I got back from boarding school. He's like one of the first friends that I made, and yeah, and uh, so he yeah. follows you from a long, long yeah, time and, and a lot of different phases. Yeah, and- no, totally. And then he was he was living in Detroit. He was going to Wayne, and I we had gotten like really reconnected and really close again. So like uh-huh. I was living I was living right next to him. We were neighbors. Yeah, and like yeah, so he he could drown in in Lake Michigan. Jesus Christ! It's, yeah, so I was I was like completely in shock. Like when I found out, I was like game over in shock. Ah. Uh-huh. Um. Yeah. So the, yeah, I had to help with like his funeral and all this stuff. Yeah. It was like just it was so messed up. He was, it was just like he sent me a text. I was like, I'm gonna be home in a few hours, like from his trip up, up north. And then I got a call from his boyfriend being like, he. T- I don't even remember what his boyfriend said because I like was so. He in just shock. blacked it out. Yeah. Well, I I told everyone the story that I thought I remembered. I like had a, this whole story about how he was like canoeing or something, and everyone's like, "That's not what happened." Uh-huh. I don't know. I really don't remember. Yeah. Um. Wow. Yeah. So anyway, that had this huge. It was a really a formative, like a you know, you have some things happen in your life where you're like, things are different now for yeah. you. You know, yeah, you, yeah, it, yeah. this happens like a few times in your life where like uh, things change. Uh-huh. But I really contemplated, like I really, I was not fit in a good mental state. I like went and like started working at a strip club right afterwards. And Whoa! Stuff. Like, okay. I'm not as a cocktail server, none of oh, the stripper. Oh, okay. I mean, still. No, uh, yeah, it's no, it was like harsh. Not, not, like, a, not a fun time. I just had but... a very fuck it mentality. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was kind of the uh, you, you do the. You can go one way or you can go the other, and you're yeah. just originally it's like fuck it, work at a strip club, and yeah, who gives a shit? Yeah, uh, you know, I just thought I had to survive, and uh, what is it? Oh yeah, and then, so yeah, I was just mentally not feeling good, and I was like, you know, what do I need to do? Like, if I were to die, like, what's the thing I have to accomplish uh-huh. in order to like actually feel? Uh, like my life was fulfilling yeah you know so that was the thing it's like i had you know because i just didn't have a very i had like a really i struggled with like a super low self-esteem and like a lot of anxiety uh-huh. when i like a lot of anxiety that's why i was like such a heavy drinker when i was like a teen yeah sure like and in my early 20s like uh so i just didn't have the confidence like i didn't think i could do it like i didn't think i i didn't know how to do it i didn't have anyone help me i felt jaded uh-huh. like i felt like and then that like not knowing how to not having anyone to help you like when you're low on yourself like that it's like those excuses are always there and they're never going to go away Mm -hmm. and they're never going to be worked around it's just like end of the conversation like you know you think like i want to make a record and you're like i don't know how that's it i was like i'm gonna get this job and then i'll do that later like for fun yeah i'll just keep it like it'll just be fun and then but like nothing else was like very satisfying that i did like i was trying to go to school for graphic design and i was like this fucking sucks Uh yeah yeah i didn't yeah i didn't really have someone you gotta just you can't stand there at the top of the slide you gotta go down it 
Yeah. <laughs> you just do it, or do you you have somebody like kind of come along yeah. and be like, "Can we we can do this together?" Or was it just like a straight up like, "No, no gotta no do one, it." Everyone's so unhelpful. <laughs> everyone sucked. Like, <laughs> don't at, listen. Literally, don't ask your friends for advice for anything. They don't know anything. You can only get advice from informed sources. Seriously, <laughs> like, seriously. So you you start you t- start talking to somebody about what was going on. About, you start you, oh, well, like that, like a professional. Oh. Like a therapist? Yeah. No, I just worked at a strip club and screamed at my boyfriend. <laughs> that was like it. If I feel so bad for him, it was just my friend I dated for two months. Like, yeah, I yeah. After my friend died, I think I needed like a little. Right. Here, have my emotional labor. It was like, no, nah, uh-huh. it was kind of rude. Yeah. Yeah, I probably shouldn't have done that. I, 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 I we've done it before. So. I probably should. No, I, I, at the time, I was like, I need to see a therapist. Uh huh. That I didn't do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> There's just this like long list of like. I need to do, I need to make a record. I need to see a therapist. I need to like, you know, figure out what I'm doing with myself. But for now, I'm like leaving my apartment in a huff because I just like yelled at my partner and now I'm going to the strip club for the graveyard shift. It's more like I would go to the strip club for the graveyard shift and then I'd come back at like 4 a.m. and that's when i don't know i don't remember the catalyst of those what exactly triggered those fights right but uh it doesn't matter sorry jeremy Wan. um so but you you do it you make the decision Uh, i'm gonna make this record i'm gonna well i met i met the drummer that i was you know at first i started playing in a band with some cool friends of mine and that Uh didn't work out and i ended up uh working with uh the drummer that I'm working with now. I met I met Ryan Clancy in like 2014. Like uh-huh. my friend died in like fall of 2013. And okay. then I met Ryan in 2014. We played like a show in the fall of that year. We played actually a lot of that year as a two-piece. Uh-huh. We played in, in the summertime. Yeah. Um, we played as a two-piece. Um, just as like a solo thing. And then he... In spring of 2015 is when I started recording messes. And uh-huh. it took kind of most of that year and was just really spread out like i don't know why we didn't just book like a week and do it like i just would do like one session right like a one day or two days and uh-huh. they'd be all spaced out. i mean pay for it all out of pocket and it just like took a long yeah, time and i was like sure. i'd never made a record before so i was like all right we can just get this done and like i, di- I didn't know right like, yeah yeah you didn't know that it's gonna take it's gonna take 45 minutes to get the uh the kick drum sound correct i just didn't know like I, we're gonna need to we're gonna need to mix it for so long, right? You gotta do, you gotta do so much. You gotta do so many things to just like get it so where you could just play. Yeah, like there's four. There was fourteen songs we did originally, so it's just like uh-huh. a lot. A yeah. Lot of stuff. Um, well, you know, going back to the conversation that we have about you know you're doing these songs. Some of them are like ten years old, and l- looking at the songs that don't have previous iterations. Um, recorded at least songs like you thin the title track there's an average of like 15 words on each of those songs oh wow i've never thought about this yeah and and it's interesting to me like you know is that so i guess it's my question is the intentionality of of writing in this way but it doesn't sound like there was it sounds like this is just kind of like what starts happening is that <laughs> well bless you you was the most recent one uh-huh from the record there's I guess no- it's not like it's not like the only songs that aren't on there it's just like well spotted gold songs. was new 
Yeah. This is one of the newer ones. Yeah. And that's a great song too. That's that's just a freaking pop song. That's a damn pop song. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. What is it? Faded Heart was also really new too. So Uh I don't know why. I just think some of my songs are no like i i some of the lyrics are not very long yeah even well one of the things that i that i like about those those songs in particular is that like it's really like one or two thoughts that you like really communicate on there and i think it's like a really really great utilization of your voice to just like extract so much emotion out of those in you know in like a slower delivery like jillian medford from ian sweet does this mm. really well too yeah she, she like her lyrics are like a sentence have you had her on, on here oh yeah she's yeah. awesome you're the best yeah she's great um but you know that's that reminds me of some like you know jillian does that really well where it's just like it's like you seem like so careful in in your delivery of like every every word on there every syllable on there mm-hmm. and i'm wondering like what that process is like for you like what sort of like you know trial and error goes into like vocal melodies and inflections with a lot of with the stu- your work yeah a lot of the stuff with mess is like wasn't really like picked apart that much like a lot of that stuff is just what i'm writing at the time and a lot of songwriting for me is very vocal uh-huh i don't know what the decision making is there you know my friend recently brought up that people always ask me about my singing voice but they never ask me about my lyrics yeah yeah. You got really good lyrics, too. I'm actually... got great lyrics. <laughs> Isn't it tough when they, when you're just like, yeah, this is a great... Like, that line about the thinness of a lottery ticket, mm-hmm. like, I mean, like, all all 135 pounds of me, like, f- like felt that, mm. too. And it's a really, like, you know, that, that portrait of thinness and feeling thin and you know what really goes into that that feeling and like that being told you're thin is like it's like weird Mm -hmm. um and i've experienced it all my life and Mm. and thinness is always presented in a like are you a are you okay? Yeah. Are you healthy? You look thin. And it's like when you feel thin, you feel fucking lifeless. Mm-hmm. And that mm. that is a good lyric. Thanks. Yeah, that song is actually about when I worked at the strip club. Yeah. It's a folk song about that time period. Yeah, for sure. Well, I feel like there is like like though that that batch of songs that that's come from that time period it's just a lot of like weight to it mm-hmm. like there's there's definitely like you you have a reference like a traumatic event happened in my life but there's a lot of just like like language that's just like okay like something's going on here mm-hmm. something's something's hitting you yeah i mean like within like i can say like i did write that while i was working at the strip club and it but it's more the song isn't about the strip club it's about like a certain emotion that you have when i mean and this is like kind of conveyed through the whole album but it's just like you did something that you knew was like gonna be wrong and then you did it anyway yeah Um, totally and within there's an element it was a really emotional place for me to work because I dirt again like you know I think we get imprinted with 
uh, situation and that's it and the way our brains are so complex these situations will show up over and over and over again and uh-huh. it's not because of anything other than like it's what you create like it's how the situation occurs to you right so for me at the strip club I, bullying the, again like that that will just happen that uh-huh. i have to be present because that's how things will occur to me if i'm not uh-huh. Um, anyway, so yeah, just, there's this whole element. So what, do you, what, what do you mean? Like the, um, the, the fact that you're there in that environment and you're, you're a vulnerable person mm-hmm. there, you are just going to be constantly like inundated with like, just like bullying behavior from the people that you're surrounded by. It's, it's like for me, the way that shows up. I just kind of became like, you know, they're as they're they're being the kind of girls that work in strip clubs are like the kind of girls in high school that like fight each other. Uh huh. So yeah, like sure. that that is, I mean, I was putting myself in like a wolf's den, like uh-huh. you know. And I would say, I would I would, and not the strippers. They're amazing. They are awesome. Yeah. The yeah. girls that work the bar and like serve at strip clubs. Oh wow! Yeah, totally uh-huh. different. Yeah, totally different thing. Like I would say. If you're gonna go do that, like just be a stripper. Don't, yeah, don't, for sure. Don't don't at least, like at least do the money making. Don't be stripper one. light. Like right, you're yeah, everyone yeah, yeah. there is serving is just curious about stripping and they weren't ready to do it and that's uh-huh. why yeah, and that's yeah, why yeah. I did it. Like I was just I wanted to see what what was up. Uh huh. Um. That's yeah. Sort of like a like a, a I guess a really interesting like method acting and kind of a, an, an insight. I mean, do you look back at it and you just be like, yeah. I like kind of I needed to get as close to the fire as I could because like my, my life was such a fucking wreck. I think any girl who's had a tips based job uh-huh. at all, like yeah. if you start as a waitress, you think about stripping a little bit because you're like, yeah. where can I get the most tips? Oh yeah, I could work at this really nice restaurant, or I can make a grand on a Saturday night or yeah. something. You know, like sure. that's that's like a minimal like thing for a stripper. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Probably more here. Like that's in Detroit. Detroit is like right. totally. <laughs> I'm not trying to like promote stripping for anybody. But. Yeah, yeah, but it's yeah, it's totally like a like a thought. It's just like that's the end. That's the, that's, that's like the top tier, even if it's got like you know whatever attached to it. Yeah, and it's like it's just a horrible. It's like when I look back on it, I mean that's what thins about a little bit is just tr- like you're trying something on, and you're like this, uh-huh. is, this feels awful. Yeah, so it's been hard in the past for me to resist situations when I'm I know. It's going to be like that already. But yeah, it was dark. It was just like, I look back on it and I'm like, a little bit, I'm like, damn, that was funny. But a little bit, it was just like, that sucked. Like, I worked 40 hours a week at a strip club. Like, I was, it's just like, yeah. gross. Yeah. But I mean, like. Lots of, lots of Red know. Wings jerseys. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess, you know, the, the, the depths that you go to, then it's, it's like the, the fact that you do end up like coming around and and deciding like okay like this is this is what i should be doing like the intentionality that goes into like finally making the lp Mm -hmm. it's like it the experience that that comes with you know everything going on before and and like the way you lay it out it's it's such a powerful record like due to that experience Mm -hmm. um one of the things that i really like about it and one of the things i really like about your story is that there's there's this long journey that gets you here but you know the the intentionality that goes into the first thing that you the first lp 
it comes later than it does for a lot of people. Oh, and I you okay. Know, I think I get what you're saying. Like, like people, I, I've like it's been addressed in a couple of interviews. Like, like, do you regret like that you're, you know, in your late twenties when you're making your first record? Yeah, I get that. You know, for me, I did have like a perfectionist element. I think that was part of the put off. Like, I didn't have a lot of confidence. I had a super low self esteem. I didn't have access, but I also, yeah, like I think some people just put out their first thing and they're like, here it is. Uh And that was just like not how that was going to go for me. And that's not even saying that that's like I almost envy because there is a process of like, you know, honestly, I wish in a way I could have been like that earlier and just been a little more casual about some of my songs because what I learned just recording and then moving on, Uh um, if I could have brought that into some of the songwriting that happened on Messes, like those songs, I love the production on the album, but I, because it's Fred did a great job but sometimes i'm just like these songs could have been you know they they, there there's good songwriting there so it's just like it i felt good enough about those songs like if i would have had a process of just releasing and getting used to it and like getting used to being in the studio and getting used to working with people and like not having a vice grip Uh on anything like yeah yeah yeah. the like the roadblocks that you have set up for yourself just out of like the the perfectionist you know, in you or the, the fact that you're just doing it for the first time. Yeah. And I was like 26 when I started recording it. I guess I didn't realize, you know, I was really antsy to release it. And that was another, that was a, I think if I had any takeaway, like advice for someone else is be patient, uh-huh. try to get informed people in your life, like try to, try to get an entertainment lawyer, try to get yeah people, like if you're serious about it, like don't just willy nilly release your stuff, like, because that's like the most precious thing you can, that you have. Yeah. 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 It's almost like, it's almost like you, you listen to, uh, you know, people come in and they talk about making making a record, and then like six months later, just being like, "Damn, I wish the performance was better." Mm-hmm. You know that 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 applies to like so many facets of like the the control that you have over mm-hmm. like what you're doing before you actually like get it done. I had a feeling this was gonna happen. I was like, "Did I turn that off?" Ah. Okay. Um. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, I definitely. Yeah, I don't know. Do you, what you're saying, sorry, that kind of wiped my brain a little. Um, my like original point, and the original point that I brought it up is, you know, the idea that you come to it, you come to it on your own, and it takes a long time to get the first step done. But mm-hmm. the first step is done now, mm-hmm. and like the first step is like. I've had the experience too of like now that I've done the thing that I've been wanting to do for three years, I have four more things that I want to do. It just opens it up. Mm -hmm. And like that, that vulnerability of like, you know, everything that you go through to like do the thing that you want to do that you've been wanting to do the whole time. Mm. Now that it's now that you've like gotten over it and you're like on the other side and feeling confident, Mm -hmm. it's like, cool i got i got a lot more shit to do and i want to get it done that's what i didn't that's what i didn't see for myself before i like had recorded that i didn't see that clearing happening yeah like it really it really because now that i am on the other side of this now i'm like oh like i can like make record like i actually have records i want to make and it's about that it's not about the struggle right because it was really about the struggle for me at first Uh in a huge way because it just felt like free falling i like had no idea what was going to happen i had no idea what i was doing i'm like really lucky that i met some of the people like who are actually based in like chicago like working with jacob at pitch perfect working with andrew at billions like those people like really 
you know, they were working with me. I was working basically in collaboration with the local label. Like they weren't, the local label wasn't doing any of the work. They were helping with, they weren't even paying for everything. They were like uh-huh. partly helping with some of the finance, which is kind of expensive to like actually do that, yeah. all that stuff. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I was like putting a lot, a lot of energy into it and really like learning a lot. Yeah. And, and it's, I guess it's nice too, to like you put yourself through that and you see like what you do what you have to do and what you don't have to do like what is best to just like allocate to people who you trust who you know are going to do the job probably better than you (laughs) whether it's like production or booking a tour or like financing Mm -hmm. things and then you're left in the position of being like sick like all right now i now i just get to write more songs and record them and and do them well yeah it's been a little bit more of just uh like a taking a load off and you know we got signed to saddle creek so that's been like a big like you know like i don't have to think about a lot of that stuff yeah, i was thinking about sure. yeah well i mean and that's got to be just fucking wild that has to exceed like the realistic expectations that you have the entire time that you're in there with fred and yeah yeah i mean i gotta say uh so funny the person who i wrote speeding ticket about i haven't talked to you in like five or six years uh-huh. and he called me up like a week ago or something and was like did you write speeding ticket about me <laughs> <laughs> and i was like i was like yeah <laughs> yeah so what's he like is he like word no, he was like, I knew it. Like he, he, we were friends. I, I sometimes had this thing where I would write a song about someone and then I would like lie to them and like show it to them. Like, this is about uh-huh. something yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. And then, it, but he was like, uh-huh. he always knew. Like he knew we, we were friends when I was eighteen. Right. Um. He was like, Do you remember? Like I totally forgot about this conversation. Uh-huh. But he loves Saddle Creek. I kind of yeah. forgot about that too. He loves Saddle Creek. He loves like Connor Roberts and like uh-huh. Bright Eyes and shit. And when I was eighteen, he was like, like just talking about how like. Saddle Creek, like, so great, so much integrity, like, the best, you know, put out, like, really quality stuff. He's like, and I could see you being on that label. No way. Yeah, he totally said that. That's so wild. I wasn't thinking about, like, that wasn't in my brain, like, at all. Uh-huh. You know, I, I actually, yeah, I, I, not at all. Like, <laughs> so it just, I don't know. I, he was, like, I think it's meaningful to him, but I'm kind of like, I don't You're kind of like, it's a good label. It's kind of <laughs> cool. Like, it's, uh-huh. I, 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 I get a kick out of that 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 happened i totally yeah. remember it. it wasn't like oh i couldn't remember it i totally remembered the conversation uh-huh well it's exciting it's exciting to see that it's like you know they they that you made the thing that you wanted to do for a really long time and now you got all this all this excitement on the horizon it's great having you over yeah the, this uh, has been fun i love your dog she's so pumped i think she's gonna try and get a meal out of this but let's see. what does that mean <laughs> What does that mean? You're trying to get fed? Oh, thanks for coming. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is this it? Yep. Okay. That was fun. Steph is such an engaging human. Great stories to tell. And that journey 
I took a lot from it. That long process of taking the first step and then once it's finally over, being ready to start sprinting. Inspiring to see someone overcome a traumatic event, situate themselves and figure out the best way to move forward and come out with it, you know, if anything, <laughs> coming out of it with a couple great insights into the world. And of course, the product of all of it messes this incredibly impressive piece of work. Hopefully the first of many chapters. Check out Steph Chura online, stephchura.net, stephchuraband.bandcamp.com. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, rate it, write a review, tell a friend about the show, like the page on Facebook. You can send me a message on there. Merchandise can be found at betteryetpod.com slash merch. The show is also available on Bandcamp, betteryetpodcast.bandcamp.com. Check out As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio hosted by yours truly and David Anthony and our sponsor, jordansomelets.com. Thank you so much. Thanks to Steph. Thank you, Chloe. Thank you, Virginia. Thank you, Asuka. And goodness, dearest listeners and friends, thank you so much. Come back next week. Thanks, Chloe.
listen Listen.